Well, everyone, welcome to episode number five of the Try Lawyer Podcast. My name is Casey Arbenz. I'm your host. I am a four-time Ironman, a father of two, husband to a beautiful wife, and a trial lawyer. I uh, got this podcast now. We're on the fifth episode, and it's going great, and uh, we're up to 14 downloads. So uh, we're moving right along. I'm, I couldn't be more excited about it, and I have an uh, over, overflowing list of future topics, so I'm really excited uh, to talk and keep talking and keep posting at least once a week um, more episodes. Um, so as I like to do on this uh, show, I talk about my workouts recently. Um, kind of had an interesting past week. I, I think I did the podcast last Thursday and um, had, a, had a heavy load. I was doing two-a-days most of the days last week and did a two-a-day on Friday, did a swim and I believe uh, on a, about a 45 minute kind of or hour easy run. And then um, had a couple drinks on Friday, which I shouldn't have done, I suppose. I also took some allergy medication. But man, I woke up on Saturday morning just feeling terrible. Hungover, feeling super dehydrated. I don't think I was hungover, but just, just sort of inoperable. I woke up at six. I had a five hour bike ride slated for the training and uh, for my training and decided, uh, got up at six and talked to my wife and she's like, you look terrible, you need to go back to bed. And so I did, I slept until like 10 o'clock in the morning, which I've never done, um, <laughs> at least in about 20 years. And so uh, I took the day off, I decided my body probably just had enough. I wasn't keeping up with my hydration, uh, having a couple drinks, two whiskeys, uh, probably not a good idea. And uh, so I took the day off and I was kind of dealing with it mentally and a little frustrated because as busy as we all are and as busy as I am training, trying to train for an Ironman obviously takes a lot of time and you need to be able to do it. And the weekends tend to be the time where you can put in those long training days. And I planned to do five hours on Saturday on the bike and then do a uh, 13 to 15 mile run on Sunday and then get as much family time afterward. But it uh, didn't happen on Saturday. Uh, instead, I kind of took the day off, really relaxed, put my feet up a bit after sleeping in, and then got up Sunday, did my five-hour ride, and it was it was awesome. Had a great ride. I think my power might have been down a, a, a couple points, but overall, I thought it was a great a great workout. Uh, I watched, finished up Jack Ryan season two uh, for those of you following at home, and then I recommenced. Actually, yeah, I did Game of Thrones for a few episodes. Got me through and uh, hard to beat and uh, had a great ride. And then woke up yesterday, Monday, and uh, decided to, to shelve swimming for the day because I needed to get my long run in and thought, you know what, I'm just gonna run a half marathon this morning on my treadmill, it was raining. So ran 13.1 miles, uh, nice easy pace. And I did, I did, well, I did about a 9.30 average, but I did three 15 minute blocks at eight minute pace, which I'm hopeful will be my Ironman race pace for my upcoming Ironman in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho on June 27th. So uh, then today got up and swam, which was great. It felt good. And although albeit a little beat up from two hard days in a row of uh, biking and running, and then uh, just did a, an easy 30 minute ride here at lunchtime today and uh, slated to swim again tomorrow morning, Wednesday, and also um, do a, do a run tomorrow that probably not be too intense. So anyway, that's my, my recent workouts. And I think it kind of is a, is a testament to the importance of, of 
rest days and I'm, I'm not great about rest days. I mostly, it's just psychological. I hate, I hate taking a rest day because I feel like I lose my momentum. And then inevitably, whenever I do the next day, something happens at work or at home and I can't work out. And so then I'm sitting there on two days and I feel flat and unmotivated. So I've always been someone who would prefer to not take a rest day. And I always feel like if I'm working really hard and I need a rest day, I'll just go do like a thousand meter swim at whatever pace I want, just as easy as possible. Half the time I get to that mark and I think, well, I'm already here, I'm wet, <laughs> let's do another thousand and push it. But sometimes I do just, just chill and do a thousand meters or so and uh, call it good. But every once in a while you just need a day off. And so Saturday was that day for me and I'm looking back thinking, you know, that was probably the right move. And looking at my numbers, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I was able to bike with good power during the, during the intervals and also run uh, during my intervals at pretty good speed without too much pain. So that was, that was good. So um, today's topic is, is Kona. I have talked about this already, but in 2019, I qualified for Kona at Ironman Canada in, in Whistler. And that was a dream, absolute dream come true. And, you know, when you hear your name at that roll down ceremony, um, it's, it's like nothing else for, for, for a triathlete, one who's dreamt of going to Kona and qualifying. And, and frankly, I've, I talked about this, I believe in the last episode, I, I just really didn't think it was ever something that I would be able to do just physically. And to be able to, to qualify, I was so excited, paid my money. Uh, my wife, of course, was so supportive. Kids are, were thrilled. And um, so then we, uh, we planned the trip. And so, you know, Kona, Kona, it's the holy grail. I've watched it off and on since I was a kid and I was so excited. And one of the first decisions we had to make was where to stay. And we heard all sorts of different opinions about that, but somebody gave the very good advice of stay at the, stay at the race hotel. It's going to, it's going to cost extra, but you'll be really glad you did. And I'm, a, I'm really into, into the pros, both the men and the women. I follow a ton of them on Instagram, pretty much all the, the heavy hitters. And, uh, and so we, we bit the bullet on the pr price, which certainly wasn't cheap. I think we probably paid almost a thousand dollars a night. Um, but it was a once in a lifetime thing. Right. And so we stayed at the, the hotel there, um, right in, in, um, Kailua Kona, right at the starting line of the race. And it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, it was like the Super Bowl, you know, I'll bounce around here with some of my memories and experiences. Um, but what I can tell you is in the days leading up to the race, the energy is, is unparalleled. I mean, it's like being at the Super Bowl. And I'm not even saying it's like being at the Super Bowl for triathlon. It's just like being at the Super Bowl. Everybody is wearing triathlon gear. It's actually shocking how many people are, they're so fit and they, they're dressed like triathletes, yet only about a third or a quarter of the people you see that you think automatically not only are, you know, Ironman athletes at the race, but presumably, you know, maybe pros or, or top level contenders, they're, they're just, they're just spectators. Uh, only about a third or a quarter of the folks were actually wearing the wristband to signify that they were racing. And so, uh, you're just around all these people who love triathlon and love Ironman. And, um, when you set up your bike, I'll never forget the feeling. I, I, I walk in and they give you two escorts um, to help you and to set up your bike and get your gear all set up. And they walk you around the entire transition area and it's out there on that, that the concrete sort of 
uh, doc. And I remember Jan Ferdano was about, he was a fa- the best triathlete in the world, a pro from Germany. And he was uh, about 10, 15 meters away from me, setting up his stuff and taking selfies with his, his handlers, um, his escorts. And, and then I look back and I see Timothy O'Donnell and I see um, Sebastian Keenley and Daniela Reif and Reef and all these pros that I love, Andy Potts, um, were all there, all around, and you're you're just you're an equal at that moment. Um, <laughs> certainly not an equal in many other respects, but you're an equal. And there's helicopters or two helicopters buzzing around up top, and so it, for for us, it's the, it is it is the Super Bowl. It felt like the Super Bowl, um, and the energy was so cool. And they have all these great events, and you walk around and you get free stuff. You get swag, you get hats. I probably came home with a dozen hats, if not more. Um, you get t-shirts, you get uh, water bottles, you get all this cool Ironman World Champion stuff. And it was it was so great. Um, talked to some of the pros. I got I gotta say, Jan Ferdinand, I was already a fan. His his laid back, easygoing approach and sort of attitude, uh, as and how friendly he was to to everybody, at least that I saw. Uh, and I, 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 you know, kind of said, Hey, Jan, a couple times to him. And both times he gave me a nod. I was wearing a rise on hat, which is his company. And he said, ah, I like your hat. And, uh, that was cool. Andrew Messick, the CEO of Ironman came up to us, me and my family and gave both my kids who were, who were probably five and six at the time, or maybe four and five, uh, these Ironman uh, coins that are, that are really nice. It was just very thoughtful. A lot of the old pros from the old days, you saw Mark Allen, uh, I saw him several times, Dave Scott. You just see him everywhere. And if you stay at the hotel, I mean, you don't turn a corner. You don't, you don't leave your room. You don't walk down to the lobby without seeing several pros, several famous Ironman athletes, current, former, um, the, the, the true legends of the sport, not to mention the commentators, Bob Babbitt, uh, Mike Riley. I mean, you see him everywhere. And I remember I went out on a ride and uh, I turned a corner and, and Tim Don, the famous uh, British triathlete, was just, just standing on the corner, hanging out. Um, I, I, ran, I uh, rode by um, uh, another one, <laughs> whose name at the moment escapes me, uh, but just these guys that I, that I, that I follow, that I, that I think are, are great. I ended up seeing triathlon Taron. Uh, he was very friendly. We talked a couple times, actually. I, I saw him at the expo, got a selfie. We talked for about 15 minutes. And then um, I saw him after the race and he gave me some of the intel, some of the things he'd learned from other pros that were texting him uh, about the race. And, and so it was so cool. Uh, Jan won the race um, and as did um, the gal from Germany, Annie Haug. Um, Jan crushed it, set a course record. And I'll talk about the course, but it was just, if you're into, into this sport, it was, uh, it was truly uh, the Super Bowl of, of Super Bowls and, and just the coolest thing, probably like the World Cup. So um, I, the event itself, um, you know, the leading up, the days, the energy, uh, it is a little hard to, to avoid getting a little gassed. You know, I mean, I had two kids. We had a wagon. I was pulling them in the wagon. Uh, we wanted to see Hawaii, of course, and so we were walking up and down there um, trying to be Iron Man heavy but also still have a good time. But there's a great beach there uh, at the hotel, and then there's Digney Beach just, you know, 50 yards away. 
And then there's um, a great hotel pool. So I spent a ton of time with the kids, tried to relax, but also just tried to enjoy it. I knew I wasn't going to be breaking any records uh, during the race, um, but got in plenty of good relaxation time, felt ready to go, got a little little bit of a, a base tan going uh, in advance, tried to hydrate um, and you know shave the body and do all the stuff uh, and get ready for the race. So that was, that was, that was special. Uh, and, and it was, it was, it was family and triathlon time in a, in a, in a focused way for a couple of days. Like I never really had before, um, the, the, the ability to really focus on the, the whole surroundings of the race and the whole atmosphere. It was, it was, it was something special. The event itself. So, um, I woke up early as I tend to do before an Ironman about three hours before, uh, race time and I ate breakfast, which for me is, is usually the same thing. It's a white bagel with uh, peanut butter on it and then a hydration mix and sometimes a banana, maybe two. Um, and then I, I tried to go back to sleep or just kind of hang out, but I was, I was at that point pretty wide awake. And, um, so I, um, I did the, uh, I went down, got body marked and that nice thing about staying in the hotel was you could go back to your hotel room. So I went back to my room after I was body marked and good to go. Uh, I was feeling very stuffed. I've been drinking all this salt water, you know, drinking um, hydration mixes, and I was feeling pretty bloated at that moment, but I knew that would probably serve me pretty well uh, throughout the day. Um, so anyway, then I went down once it was kind of game time, kissed the family goodbye, went down, and uh, it, was, it was getting light, and I had time to sit in, outside the, the pros transition area, which is inside the, the main transition area, but they're kind of sectioned off, and just watched the pros set up. And I mean, seeing 50 of the best pros in the world, all right there, shoulder to shoulder, setting up. I filmed a lot of it, but all the pros I've already mentioned, um, all, the, all the top guys um, were there, men and women, and watching their preparation and their focus and how seriously they took the event uh, was something else. Uh, little things that stuck out. Uh, again, Jan was so relaxed and, and he seemed so just comfortable, like he was going to win. Um, Daniela Reef was uber focused, as was Sebastian Keenley. Daniela was tightening every every single bolt on her bike. Uh, she ended up having a really rough day, and I, I did notice in the days leading up to the race that she looked. I saw her several times. She looked sick. She didn't look happy or healthy. She just looked kind of off. And I, I, you know, I don't know her. And I hadn't seen her ever before, so I didn't really know what her pre-race um, affect was like, but learning later that she had been sick, even though she still went on to finish the race, uh, it was no surprise because she just didn't look like she was feeling very well. Um, but like I say, saw all the pros that raced uh, there, except I didn't really see Lionel Sanders, which was kind of odd. I, I don't recall seeing him in the transition, and I'm a huge fan. Um, I wanted to see him around town, um, but I saw, I pretty much saw everybody else um, that I'm a fan of, Cam Wirth, Cody Beals, uh, just just all the uh, top guys. I'll, I'll talk about it later. But Joe Skipper at the at the awards dinner, I think he got fifth or sixth. He actually sat at the same table as I did with my family, and he was with his mom. And uh, couldn't have been nicer, you know. I asked, I told him, "Congrats on having a great race." And he followed up quickly with, "How was your race?" And you know, kind of didn't just didn't just ask it once. He he was very kind and asked me how I felt about it and, and that sort of thing, which was really cool. Um, and that's something that, you know, you wouldn't get at the Super Bowl. A, you're not playing in it, but B, 
you know, the, the intimacy with, with which you get and the, the access you get to the pros um, at Kona and how really, frankly, uh, kind and, and welcoming and, and warm uh, most of them were uh, was, was pretty cool. Um, so, so that was cool. And the, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm there getting ready and then eventually it's kind of like, all right, dude, it's time to focus. Uh, you got, you got a race. And so, um, they, this was pre COVID. So they put us in these stalls with our age group. So I was with the 40 to 45 age group. Um, and there was, I think 150, 200 of us, uh, racing, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe, maybe fewer, a little bit fewer. I should look at the numbers, but I think there was about 150 of us in, in that age group. Um, but that, that seems high now that I think about it. So we're in our little pen and, uh, so then you slowly worked your way to the front. I think we were, but we were pretty high up the chain that my age group, I think we were like the fifth group to go off and they're going off every five minutes. And so they kind of cattle you up to the front and then you get to the beach and then it's like, you've got five minutes to swim up to the starting line. Um, and it's kind of your warm up swim. Uh, actually, I think served me pretty well, but my adrenaline was pumping just getting out to the starting line. So you go out to the, the starting line, which is probably a couple hundred meters from the beach. Um, and I don't think I was there for more than a minute treading water. And then boom, our uh, our cannon went off and uh, we took off. And of course, you're in, you know, it's warm water. It's a non-wetsuit swim. Uh, you're wearing a speed, a swim, a swim skin. And I'd only worn mine once before, a couple days prior, uh, in a practice swim, and I'd really scarred up underneath. In fact, I still have marks under my armpits because I didn't lube it up. And the tri-suit was really digging into the sides, like kind of my lats underneath my armpits. And um, so I was a little nervous about that, but I really, I put a ton of uh, Vaseline on those uh, spots before the swim and never had a problem, thank God. Um, swam super good. I mean, you're swimming with such good swimmers and I'm not a great swimmer, but I'm, I'm good if the people around me are swimming. I'm good enough if people around me are swimming okay and there's no frog kickers. And so I just, you know, kind of followed the pack as much as I could. And then when I lost, you know, the feet that I was drafting off of, I waited for another good swimmer to swim by from a, you know, a later uh, group. And I'd hang on that person's feet for a while. And uh, I ended up with like an hour and eight minute swim which for me is very good. Uh, it's about as good as I've ever done in an Ironman swim. I think I've done three of my four have been about 108. And uh, without a wetsuit, even though it's salt water, you get a little buoyancy. I don't think you get as much. And so I had a great swim. I purpose, I, I breathed to the right, but when you come in at Kona, the, the, um, the, the dock there, the, the, the concrete sort of, uh, I guess it's a dock, parking lot sort of thing, you know, where the transition is, is, is to your left. And there's a lot of fans and people watching there. And you see, so you have about a hundred yards of people that you can see. And it's kind of where the energy is. They're cheering you on. So I purposely started breathing to my left side that last hundred yards, just, just to take it in. Um, kind of the, you know, my overall feeling on that race was I wanted to break 11 hours. I wanted to finish before sundown. I wanted to feel good, but mostly I just wanted to finish upright and, and really, really take in the day. And so, you know, swimming out there in the open, clear, beautiful Hawaiian saltwater with good swimmers, uh, making the turn around the boat, coming in, looking at the fans, exiting transition. I mean, it's surreal, but I can remember almost every detail of it. Um, running up the stairs, you know, that you'd see on TV, going through the little shower area, having the transitions so awesome because you have all these volunteers and they treat you so well and they're handing you your bag. 
And so then it was on to the bike. And, um, you know, the bike ride at Kona is, is something else. It's, it's something special. It's really hard. And I know that the year before, there had been a um, Patrick uh, Langa had, had broken the course record in what was described by all as an extremely uh, unique day and that it wasn't windy. Um, and then Jan broke it the year in 2019 when I raced. I heard some people say, well, you know, it's two years in a row of, of light winds, which I'm sure there have been heavier winds, but I'll tell you what, there was definitely a lot of wind on that course. Uh, that was a really hard bike ride. And I've described it before at, at about 50 miles, uh, about 10 miles short of Javi, maybe 45 miles. I was like, I'm having the best race of my life. My legs felt so good. Um, you know, you're, you're in the eight meter, 10 meter draft zone. Um, you're just pacing with people. I felt so strong, I yelled at by a few Germans and some serious Uber bikers, but for the most part, feeling great. And then the wind in the stretch, the last few miles up to Javi, and it actually, we got a little front came through, so it became gray and rainy and just howling winds. At the turnaround, so at about the 60 mile, or I don't know, uh, 55 mile mark, 56 mile mark, I, I was like, I'm toast. I'm to <laughs> I, I, in that short period of time, my legs were just totally cooked. Uh, made the turnaround, the famous turnaround at Javi, and then headed down. And it's a downhill, and it's kind of a tailwind, which is awesome, except it, the crosswinds are so fierce that a lot of that time you're spent out of the aero position, uh, because I'm just not a confident enough rider to go 40 miles an hour out on the aero uh, with with heavy sidewinds coming. I just, I, there were some guys that, that were doing it and, but there were a lot of guys like me that were hanging on with at least one hand on the crossbar. So the winds were no joke. And then there were a couple areas where you drop down into these little uh, valleys and then had to climb out of them into dead on headwinds and you just feel like you're not moving. And um, so that was, and that was, I, you know, having done a number of races and, you know, probably 10 or so 70.3s um, and four other, three other Ironmans, that was, um, the hardest bike course, you know, you have a lot of elevation and then the heavy winds and the heavy crosswinds. It, it was crazy. Um, so, uh, by the end of the last, you know, few miles coming back into town, you are definitely ready to get off the bike. And, uh, that, that, that bike course is, is no joke. So, but what an experience. So now, um, done the, done the swim, done the bike and uh, off to the marathon. And man, I felt great again, uh, started running, Made the, made the turn, uh, you run along um, um, Alihi Drive for a bit, um, and then you turn around, it's kind of a little work, and then you go up, um, uh, it starts with a P, um, and, gosh, I'm blanking on the name, I should have looked this up before the podcast, um, but you do, there's an uphill, it starts with a P, and it'll, it'll come back to me here in a minute, um, but the first six miles or so was, I felt great, uh, actually passed a guy that um, I had, um, that had beat me at my, my qualifying race at Ironman Canada, and he was hurting, and he told me he was hurting, and uh, he's a really nice guy from Canada, and he said, you're having a great race, man. You, you must be feeling really good, and I was, and um, so you got, got up on the Queen K at about, I think it's about six miles, felt great, uh, got to the halfway mark, still felt pretty good, um, and then you do the, the drop into the, to the energy, um, to the, uh, um, the energy, it's not the energy zone, why am I blanking? 
um, you, you drop into the, the energy lab, the natural energy lab. And um, that's where, you know, everybody has problems uh, traditionally. And uh, I was no exception. It's, it's amazing that in Hawaii, especially on a day where it's so windy, that the winds could just totally stop and the air can be so stagnant and you're in this, it's a, that kind of gray black asphalt, no shade, um, sweltering heat. Um, and things, things started to shut down for me, started having some cramps, started to witness a lot of athletes that I'd seen pass me on the bike and even earlier on the run who were hauling and looked great, who were now really struggling, walking, hands on their knees, a couple sitting down, a couple uh, nauseous. And so that was, that was kind of where they separate, uh, as they say, the men from the boys. And, uh, but then you see some other athletes just crushing it through there. Uh, amazing in the energy lab. So uh, made it out of the energy lab and uh, got to about the 20, 18, 20 mile mark. And um, I, was, I was in trouble for sure. I did a couple things smart. One thing I did that was smart throughout the run was I, I Hoka Oneone had given me at one of their booths, this uh, neck towel thing that you could fill up with ice cubes. And so I, I religiously did it um, every, at every aid station. I threw a few ice cubes in there and I was great. I mean, I never got heat. I never got too hot. My heart rate never spiked. Uh, so I was able to, you know, kind of keep trucking, but I had to walk a fair amount um, due, to, due to cramps in my hamstrings, which are always a problem. And I just was sweating so much. I think I just, you know, ran out of salt, ran out of hydration and so kind of did a run walk in, um, finished, uh, it was a slower marathon for me. I think it was like a 405, 406. And I blame that because I had, I had a number of like 11, 12 minute miles, uh, when I had to walk, but man, hearing coming down Alihi drive and I saw my kids, I saw my wife. Um, and it was like emotions like I'd never felt before. Um, I was so happy and you're so raw at that point, your body's raw. Your skin's raw, your you know your sunburn, your salts burning your eyes. Your you've got your you got blisters on your feet. Your you know you've got area every area of your body that's been rubbing is totally chafed and raw. And you see your kids, and it's just it's 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 an outer body thing. You know um, I'll never forget seeing them and hugging them there in the last couple hundred yards before the finish line. And then running on that <clears throat> on that red carpet, uh, having Mike Riley yell out, "Casey Arbenz from Gig Harbor, Washington, you are an Ironman." Um, it was it was so cool. And uh, looking, I remember I looked up, and I would encourage anybody who's going to race this race uh, has the privilege of racing to look up when you finish um, and just take it in, and also see the scoreboard and your name up there, and the, the sort of stadium seating. It's um, it's so cool, and it makes for a better picture, uh, your finish line picture. Uh, my buddy Cy, who's a, a guy I swim with uh, a fair amount, I swam with this morning. He he was there doing security for the race. He loves Ironman, goes and helps out with the security there, and he he was able to be kind of towards the finish line. Uh, right as I finished, he came out and gave me a huge bear hug, and it was so cool uh, to be done with the race and taking it in. Um, my overall time was ten fifty two. Uh, which is good. So I, I beat my goal. I, I broke 11 hours. Um, I think my, my bike, so I think I swam 108. I think my uh, bike ride was somewhere, it was probably like 5.30, give or take, and then a uh, little over four hour marathon. So overall, very good race. Um, you know, I was 
kind of middle of pack in my age group, which was totally fine. Um, and, and so it was just such an experience. And then, you know, there's the pictures. Food never tastes very good to me after an Ironman. Uh, the pizza, it sounds like it will. Coke sounds like it will, but really none of it sounds very good. Um, the beers don't taste that good uh, just because get, I get an instant headache just because I'm always on the brink of major dehydration. But once, once I calmed down and got to go be with my kids, lay down for a little bit, lay by the pool for a little bit, and just walk around and see the pros. Um, it, it was it was special, without question. And uh, then the next day uh, was the the closing ceremonies. That's where I sat next to Joe Skipper, and watched it. And and I would encourage anybody who does the race. There, I, I should have gone probably to the opening ceremonies. I didn't. Um, I don't know if you need to do both, but I would I would definitely encourage if you don't do the opening, go to the closings. Um, seeing the age group athletes uh, who, who win awards and the, the shape that they're in is is absolutely incredible. I mean, these folks like me going going you know sub nine out there, guys in their fifties and sixties going you know <laughs> low nine sub nine. Um, some of the some of the women are are incredible. Women in their sixties and seventies just trucking and and putting up incredible times. Everybody's so positive and upbeat, and it's such an international forum and you have all these just different people but everybody's at the end of the day people are just stoked and their families that are there are just stoked and so they have a great uh, award ceremony Bob Babbitt and Mike Riley do a great job of hosting it and, and being the MCs and, uh, and and that was it and you know I think we were there one more day to just kind of lay around and watch them it's amazing what they do how quickly they turn that town into into Ironman Central and then they break it down so quickly also um, but I met a million families and other athletes that were just, they were just like me. They were just like us. You know, they were just people who, who love life. And um, I, I think, you know, if you love life and you love pushing yourself and you love the competition, you love the hurt, the pain, the, you love the process of getting in that kind of shape, you, you know, after a race like Kona, that it's something you're, you're going to remember your whole life. I, I don't think, no matter how many times you did it, I think you would remember it. But for a guy like me, probably will only get to do it once. Uh, to, I know I'll always remember it. And I know that when I'm lying there on my deathbed, um, I'll remember it. I won't remember it maybe for the same reasons. I'll remember it because of the, the time with my kids and my wife and the family aspect of it all and being able to just do something that was just so awesome and unique. So that was Kona for me. And I, I like I say, you know, my original goal, I talked about this in a previous podcast, was to was to get to Kona. I figured the only way I could do it was to do 12 Ironman and get in on the legacy program, 12 Ironmans. Um, but instead, I qualified and got to go. And if you ever have the opportunity, don't pass. If you have the opportunity to go as a spectator, don't pass. And just take it all in. The only thing I do, diff I do a few things differently. I definitely stay at the race hotel again. Um, although, I guess if my family wanted to stay somewhere else this time, I could be okay with that. But I, I still spent a lot of time there. But if you're into the pros, um, you, you gotta go. You gotta stay at the hotel or spend a lot of time there. Um, I would get there a little bit earlier because like, they give a lot of cool free stuff, and the more days you're there, the better stuff. They they unfortunately sort of run out of some of the really good stuff after a few days, and I think they start giving it out about a week before. Um, I don't think you need to stick around much. I think I'd leave uh, after the the closing ceremonies. I don't think you need to stick around another full day. I think you could just take off the next morning. Um, there's probably some other things I could think of, but overall, I think we executed it really well. 
if I ever get there again, I, I probably will push myself and, and try to try to go closer to 10 hours than 11, uh, just cause. But I also don't think, unless you're competing for an age, age group award, that it's really worth killing yourself out there. Being able to, at least, especially your first time, um, just, just taking it in, the experience, the, the high level of, of just stoked <laughs> that you feel. Um, so anyway, that was my experience, and it was it was one of the one of the certainly one of the top ten. You know, it's up there with having kids. It's up there with getting married. It's up there with you know passing the bar exam. It's up there with um, hitting the grand slam. Uh, you know, your your sports accomplishments, but you're also your life accomplishments. Um, you know, just being being present with your loved ones while also accomplishing something is is special and something you'll never forget. So. That was my experience, and uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of the things I wanted to talk about, but um, it, it was quite a day. So, um, and it's Polani, Polani Road um, is the uphill section there that a lot of people kill themselves on that sixth, about the sixth mile. They charge up Polani, and it's, I wouldn't say it's a 45 degree angle, it's probably a 30, 35 degree angle. Uh, and I, I didn't do that, I jogged pretty slow up, up Polani, but, um, that's it. And that was my experience. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Try Lawyer podcast. Again, my name is Casey Arbenz. I can be found at uh, my Instagram handles or, or even my name, Casey Arbenz, C-A-S-E-Y-A-R-B-E-N-Z, or uh, the Try underscore lawyer. Um, I also um, have a Facebook page, which is, which is my name, Casey Arbenz. And so uh, if you want to follow me, um, if you want to reach out to me, uh, my you can do that anytime. My email address is casey.arbenz at gmail.com. And I uh, really appreciate everybody listening. And until next time, take care and train hard.